To many people's surprise, tech sales is not much of an art. It's actually a regimented science where reps have clear step-by-step processes to bring in new business. Each stage takes the customer closer to the end of the deal and consists of learning more about the customer's needs. A CRM is a database reps use to track this customer journey and help sales leaders forecast their revenue. But the output is only as good as the input sales reps provide. Given the sales rep is the only person who talks to the customer, there's no way for sales leaders to check the quality and completeness of the information reps are providing. This is where products like Gong come in. Gong gives their customers insights into sales conversations to provide more accurate data to sales managers so they can better forecast revenue and coach their teams, turning sales data from a game of telephone into a coordinated team sport. Today, I met with a very special guest, Gong's Executive Vice President of Research and Development, Ohad Parush. So, Ohad, thank you so much for joining us. It's a pleasure. Of course. In your own words, what is Gong? That's an excellent question. So we just defined our mission for Gong. And I think it's it's so accurate that I'd just like to share it with you. And, and the mission is that we unlock reality to help people and companies reach their full potential. So in a sense, what we do at Gong is that we take a lot of data, conversations, and data that reflects reality. We analyze it and we draw insights and guidelines from it, so all the uh, the Gong users can actually use it to enhance their game. Now, currently, Gong is mainly focused on sales tools. So you have uh, sales conversations that are being uploaded to Gong. Gong, by the way, does it on its own, so we can connect to your calendar, connect your email, understand what's happening there, and, and join conversations, just like the conversation we're having now. We ingest emails, we ingest CRM data, we ingest text and other engagement data, we bring it on to Gong, and then we apply the magic, which is, you know, understanding what's going on, what's going on within deals, what's going on within conversations, and then we basically display it to the relevant people. Today, we're doing it for sales. In the future, we plan on doing it for additional applications for additional areas. So in a sense, this is the essence of Gong, taking data and turning it into uh, guidelines and insights so you, as a user, can meet your full potential. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I think maybe on a deeper level, what's interesting is why is that necessary for sales specifically? Oh, that's an excellent question because sales as a whole went through a transition about 20 years ago when CRMs were introduced. So Salesforce was kind of uh, you know piloting the field and everything changed around sales when people started using Salesforce, it was also one of the, the first SaaS applications. And then suddenly people stopped using spreadsheets and they used Salesforce to manage their contact relationships. And it's, they recorded their, you know, their sales, their opportunities, the people they were in touch with, you know, the accounts that they were dealing with. They were setting up their quotas and uh, setting up their, the likelihood of, of closing a deal and all of that and looking back and doing some win-loss analysis. And, and you know, it became this amazing tool that companies were using to manage their whole sales and in a sense manage their whole revenue operations. The problem is that it's very much based on opinions. It's very much based on the data that the salespeople and everyone around them, you know, inputs into Salesforce and you know the 200 other CRMs that are out there. Now this means that if the data is great, then the output and the the analysis and the conclusions that you can derive from it are amazing. 
But if you don't invest the time into actually inputting the data into uh, into the CRM, then obviously you are going to make a lot of mistakes based on wrong assumptions. Now we're seeing this in in many many aspects because you know some some to give you a a few ideas about what's happening around in sales. There is a concept of sandbagging. So sandbagging is you as a salesperson you have this deal, you're keeping it on the side, you're kind of nurturing it. You know that there's a high you know high chance that it would close, but at the moment you don't want to expose it to your manager because then this manager would start pushing you and she would come on to you and try to, uh, to put it into your quota and, and, and try to commit to a higher number. So you sandbag it. Now, in a way, this is a, a, a practice which maybe salespeople endorse and they love, but at the end of the day, it hurts them and it hurts the whole company. With Gong, we see everything. We see all your interactions with, uh, with your prospects, with your companies. We know exactly, we, Gong, and then through us, your, uh, the frontline manager, the people in sales ops, the VP uh, sales, the CRO, all of them are aware of what's happening in the deal. And not only can they challenge you and, and see what's going on, but they can also help you. So the interesting part about uh, Gong, because I'm sure this was going to be your next question, is, is Gong the big brother for sales? Because you cannot avoid, you know, <laughs> we know everything. And, you know, ironically, the first week that salespeople use Gong, the first couple of days, they feel like they're being watched. Everything is recorded. Everything is tracked. We know everything about them, you know, what they're doing, their emails that they exchange, obviously, with their prospects, the, the conversations that they have. And, and it's a bit intimidating and daunting. But after a, a few days, suddenly they change perspective because suddenly they realize that, I don't know if you've been a salesperson, I've never sold, you know, a bubble gum, but doing sales is a tough job and it's mainly a lonely job. You have your quota. It could be a monthly or quarterly quota. It's a very cruel world. World. You have to meet your quotas. Um, you're there on your own. Um, you can bring people in to help you out with the deal. But if you were, uh, you know, at some point you're, you're there, you have to be independent. Now this could be very daunting. It's very, it's a very hard experience, especially when when the going gets tough. Suddenly with Gong, you're not alone. Your manager can listen into calls, whether in real time or or in retrospective. You can tag your manager on any call. You can ask for assistance. You suddenly you don't lose context. A lot of what happens with uh, the interactions between R and D and uh, and sales is that you know sales go to a prospect and they the prospect says, well, I'll buy your product only if it had this and that feature. And then it goes through kind of lost in translation process where until it comes to R&D and they, they actually start thinking about what it is, it, it's completely lost in context. Suddenly the salesperson can tag the R&D person or the product person and they can listen into that you know, segment, the snippet of the call and understand what's going on. You know, uh, issue resolved. What more, you're taking, you're having this uh, you know, conversation with a prospect and the conversation, you know, it could be an hour-long conversation. You spend a lot of time taking notes. And again, something is lost. You know, you understood one thing. The customer understood another thing. But when the conversation ends, you can actually send a snippet of the conversation to the customer and tell them, you know, as a follow-up to our conversation, we talked about this. These are the follow-up actions. So suddenly, the salesperson is not alone. He can get as much help as he, he or she needs from their surroundings, from their environment. And suddenly, you know, in a sense, we're creating a feeling of a community, feeling of collaboration. It seems almost like you said, it's this extra layer of depth now, where previously the sales rep owned the entire relationship with the customer and any question you had or anything you needed to know went through him or her. And now 
it's kind of open eyes. Anybody can see exactly into the granularity of what's going on with a specific deal. Exactly. Obviously, it's all you know. It's it's uh, we're dealing with sensitive data, so it all it's all permission based on, on a need to know basis. But exactly that, you know, it's when we look at the world before Gong, which is based on on traditional tools and CRMs, we're seeing that uh, the world was very much opinion based. You know, whatever you put into the system, that's what you felt the, the uh, you know it was your opinion on on how the deal was was progressing. It was labor intensive. You had to do a lot of stuff on your own, and and you know, think especially people who sell to uh, small businesses, they might need to manage you know between thirty and fifty accounts in parallel. It's you know the context switching is just unbelievable. It's very hard to manage it and not you know uh, lose track of the ball. And I think one of the most important aspects you're misaligned, and this is especially important for you know the bigger accounts. You know, so you have an enterprise deal, you may have twenty people working on. It. And these 20 people, they're not in every conversation because they're busy, but now they need to sync between conversations and, you know, prepare for the next conversation. Now, if you're doing this kind of sync up an hour or 30 minutes before the conversation, you're never able to convey exactly, you know, all the aspects, all the details, all the, be- the depth that, that there was in the previous conversations. At Gong, we're actually, we're giving you the conversation, you know, the calls, so you can listen, the emails, you, you know exactly the context, but then we're applying another layer of AI. We can direct it to the topics that were discussed. We can give you a summary of what was discussed, so you can focus exactly on that. We can take conversation that was an hour long and summarize it into a minute and a half, which would give you enough information to know uh, where to focus on and what to do next. So from a Something that was opinion-based and very much focused on, relied on labor-intensive and was misaligned. Gong is taking, you know, shifting the, the whole, uh, um, you know, this area into something which is reality-based. You know, what is actually happening? It's autonomous because we assist you with everything that needs to happen, and we're creating alignment between teams uh, that are working on on deals and opportunities together. When you look at something like Zoom, so Zoom does a good amount of what you described, right? So Zoom, you can record, it'll let you organize your recordings based on who you talk to. And of course, there's transcripts. I don't know if there's a summary, but you could search for keywords and leverage that in the way you described. What is the magic sauce above that for Gong? Is it the fact that you can collaborate? Is it the fact that there's telling you what you need to say for reps in between, or sorry, during calls, what is the extra layer there that Gong provides? It's an excellent question, especially because we are great partners with Zoom. And for that matter, with uh, additional, you know, web recorder systems and about 50 telephony systems, you know, that you can upload calls from these systems onto Gong. Now, Zoom, an amazing product, an amazing company, it's very wide. You know, it addresses, you know, a plethora of use cases from, you know, schools. When I do my teacher, parent-teacher uh, uh, meetings, it, I do it through Zoom. I do sales calls, and then I do some family reunions on, on Zoom. So it's, it's the, the use case is very wide. It's very generic. In Gong, and obviously, they have an amazing, their transcription engine is, is, is top class and, and the other aspects and capabilities that they have there. Now, we're bringing another layer because we're looking on, first of all, we're focusing on the sales aspect and in the future, we'll do it for other areas. But as a salesperson, now we're taking the call. We understand what's happening within the call because we understand because we're taking all of these calls together, 
we have uh, an unsupervised you know ai model that understands you know that the topics that are being discussed in your conversations so suddenly you know we can look and understand in hundreds of calls and understand which topics are being discussed in each stage of the deal we can also take it to another layer and because we know that conversations usually are structured especially discovery conversations are structured that you there's a um, some sort of a, an informal kind of introduction then you go into describing the pain then the solution then you have next steps and and actions and and you have closures we can actually because we know that that sales uh, conversations are structured around these concepts we can actually identify them and help you out with understanding how the structure call and then use it in various uh, applications we take it to the next level because we have um, and this is just you know a snippet of, of what we do uh, we're not just looking at the conversations we want to look at the whole deal execution so gong is actually inaugurating this whole notion this whole area segment of revenue intelligence and revenue intelligence you know we started off with conversation intelligence revenue intelligence takes you to the next level now it helps you actually close deals and be a better salesperson meet your potential so you have your conversations it could be coming from zoom or emails or text you have your data from the crm and now we can actually enable you to understand not only what's happening in the conversation but what's happening in the actual opportunity and because we look at previous sales wins and losses we can actually tell you what's the likelihood of this deal to close is you know you've put this deal in commit is it in the proper stage or should it be in a different stage and also we can give you some prescriptive advice we know that for example deals that you are in touch with three or more contact people on the other end are 50% more likely to close now this makes a lot of sense because obviously you start off with one person on the other end and then as as the uh, the deal intensifies you speak to uh, you know to the budget owner you speak to uh, someone who actually can make a difference more people are brought in to the uh, to the conversation in order to close the deal so we can actually tell you well so far both your emails your chats and your uh, um, your conversations are with just one person it's probably you know either it's going south because they're not really interested and that's why no uh, no additional people are joining the calls or you know get your uh, act together bring more people invite more people if you actually want to close this and in a sense you know it's it's thinking about the whole notion of sales and the whole area of sales and what the sales person has to do in order to be successful and taking it to a layer above the whole notion of conversations and i'd love to zoom in on what you just described knowing if a deal is going to close how do you do that what's the methodology there is this something that's very heavy in deep learning is this something that's more heavy in business logic so it's a combination it's an excellent question it's a combination so it could be as simple as doing some some statistical analysis looking back at uh, you know deals from the previous 6 months i'll give you a, an actual example that we have looking back at deals from the previous 6 months and analyzing you know the win doing some sort of a win loss analysis on deals based on the appearance of a an executive person in the in the deal okay at a certain stage and this is simple because we have the calls we have the emails we know who these people are we have the data from the crm it's just a matter of of connecting the dots and giving you the information and then we can see okay deals that had a vp involved in a certain stage closed 50% more than deals that did not okay simple simple analysis 
And then we present it to you, this analysis, and then we actually superimpose it on the deals that are currently open. And we tell you, okay, this is the analysis, and this is how it actually reflects or imposed on the deals which are currently open, decide how you want to deal with it, you know, make the difference. So that's one aspect which is more kind of uh, heuristic based. The other aspect, which is, you know, deep in machine learning and deep learning is, you know, we take a huge amount of features that we collect. It could be features like, you know, simple features like the stage, you know, the people involved in, but it also could be kind of the, how long it takes you to respond to emails. You have an email from a prospect, how long does it take you to respond? Or how long it takes on average for the, for the customer, for the prospect to respond to you when you send out an email? And, and you know, we have a lot of features that we bring together and we start playing around with them to come up with a, an understanding of the likelihood of the deal to close or whether you are actually in the correct stage as been defined in the CRM and with reference to how we're seeing it in the data. So it's very complex. It's kind of predictive analysis. And it's a tough job. We're still trying to figure this out. Uh, we have some success and it's going to be reflected in, in our future products, but it's, it's not an easy thing to do, but we like these challenges. In the heuristics aspects that you described, which was the first option, when you say this analysis, are we saying here that you have data analysts who are looking and combing through large groups of data? No, to find no, no, trends? no, 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 no. This is all done automatically by the system. We have data analysts that have identified aspects that are critical for the deal success. So it's first of all, it's based on you know, common sense or a lot of interviews that we've done with, uh, with sales professionals. And then we've also looked at the data and we came up with a set of, of features that we know are critical for, uh, for the success of a deal. And then we take them and we run the analysis automatically. This is being done by the system without, with no human intervention. And we can actually, the nice thing is that, let's say you're managing a team of eight people, eight salespeople. Now, the data that we will give you is not generic as a company. It's not generic for, you know, a generic kind of best practices. It's not generic in the sense that, you know, this is based on the stats for the whole company. It's actually specific to your team. So really? no Mr. Uh, um, frontline Manager. And that if you do this and that, past experience shows that this is your likelihood to succeed. Now, what we found out, and this is very interesting, that you know a company can have um, tens of sales team, and they're actually very, very different. You know, Someone who's selling to uh, SMBs, small, medium businesses, you need to close a deal. The time that it takes you to close a deal is about four to five weeks. Okay, and we know that our salespeople they need to close in order to meet their quotas. They need to close between four and six deals a month. It's very intensive. On the other hand, strat companies, strategic companies, or enterprise companies, it takes between six to twelve months to close a deal. Now, if you try to combine the insights or the stats between these two teams, it's just going to be an average which which tells you nothing. So we can actually, you know dissect the data. Again, the system does it automatically for each team, for each person. So we can actually, you know, it, it becomes much more relevant. We reflect reality and make it as relevant as possible for, this, for the person who's actually uh, uh, looking at it and trying to draw conclusions from it. And with option two, when you describe these, these deep learning models, is that currently being used? Is there machine learning models that have seen 
thousands and thousands of good deals and thousands and thousands of bad deals and can come to a conclusion and say, this deal is not going to close, this deal is going to close. Is that currently being being in use? That's the goal. It's uh, um, We're still in, in, in development. We're trying this out. We have uh, some, some interesting success uh, stories around this, but it still hasn't, uh, you know, we're still in the process of maturing it into a full-fledged product that will be part of our next releases. That's very interesting. With facial analysis too, I'm sure, does that ever come into play? Can you look at a customer's face and say, you know, he's not looking very happy at this moment. And, you know, that correlates with, well, obviously you weren't the deep learning would, but. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because we've played around with, you know, we didn't do facial analysis, but we we tried to look at uh, sentiment analysis, the way that people are speaking, kind of their language, many aspects. Results that uh, that we received were not accurate enough. It's very hard for a machine to, uh, to take this data and come up with actual conclusions that that hold in the um, in, in reality so for the time being it's something that uh, we've tabled uh, you know with time we may come back to it and, and, and embed it into the whole uh, into the whole uh, kind of engine that is being built I'm guessing part of that is simply because people are just not very honest on sales calls or not very honest when when speaking so everyone's always happy and then when it comes down to the actual deal, it probably doesn't fall through due to someone smiling too much or being very happy on the call with their words. Correct, correct. And and you know, one of the one of the things that now we're trying to figure out, and, and it's a tough job, is the essence of of being able to sell something is that the buyer has a pain that you can actually solve. Now, how do you identify pain? We're having a conversation. You know, I'm trying to sell you uh, barbecue uh, grills, or I'm trying to sell you a car. It's a different pain altogether. It could be that this pain is coming from, you know, the need for luxury, the need to show off, or for, uh, you know, the fact that I need to feed my family with uh, with steaks, you know, every Wednesday. So because we're a generic tool, how do you identify whether what is the pain that was discussed and whether there was no pain discussed? And hence, we know that the likelihood of this deal to close is very low. So it's it's very tough um, challenges that we're dealing with. Obviously, as human beings, you know, you can come up out of a conversation and, and you can immediately tell me, you know, this customer, this prospect has a pain and we can solve it. Now we want the machine to actually do this in a generic manner, and this is uh, part of the challenges that we're uh, that we're targeting. It's it's amazing stuff, you know. The uh, some of the some of the the algorithms and and the models that we've been able to build, it's just breathtaking. It's a lot of work that uh, that we're doing constantly and meticulously, and it's a lot of data that needs to be ingested, a lot of uh, um, trial and errors, but we're getting there. With the rise of transformers and the last two years of natural language processing, I don't doubt it. It's been insane. Walk me through those challenges a bit. How does a model identify pain like you've described? That's interesting. I'll give you, without going into uh, the specific ideas, is... One of the, the areas that, that we're targeting, and, and this is something that we're currently developing, is, you know, let's say there is a, some notion or some, some concept that you want to identify um, in a conversation, you know, to find its existing in a, in a conversation. Now, the trivial or heuristic-based approach would be to identify keywords, or as we call them, trackers. So you have a list of keywords. You might have, you might bundle together a few keywords together. And they would form some sort of a track 
So you have a tracker with a bag of words and you use it in order to identify concept. The reality shows that this could be very inaccurate because, for example, you know, words can be uh, have ambiguous meanings because, for example, I can flag something, but I can also wave a flag. Both are using a flag. If I'm using, you know, the keyword that I'm, I'm identifying as a flag, is it, you know, am I using waving a flag and happy on, on 4th of July or am I flagging some concern that I may have? You know, it's, it's very hard to understand. So we built a model. Um, we have very uh, creative and very capable machine learning scientists that, first of all, what it does, it you start off by writing down the notion or the concept that you want to, uh, to identify, okay? And then the system, because has indexed all the, uh, the conversations, and it can bring you what we call similar sentences. Now, we take these similar sentences, and then you use these similar sentences, and for each one, and this is specific to each customer, for each similar sentence, you as a customer actually do the labeling. In a sense, you actually say, okay, this fits the concept that I'm looking at, or this doesn't fit the concept. And you go through a few tens of these uh, of these sentences. Once you've done that, we go and generate, we have this kind of generic engine or model generator, and we go and build this model, which is specific to the concept that you're trying to identify. So for example, one of the, the examples that we're giving is that, let's say I want to identify a need to get budget approval from an executive team. So one person might say, well, this looks good, but I need to check with my CFO, okay? Another person might say, well, I don't know, it's a bit expensive. I'll need to run this by my board. Now, these two sentences have no words in common, but what we found out is that we, if you label enough uh, sentences, and because this model also, you know, it's built on GPT and, and other, uh, you know, other uh, pre-built models that are out there in the market, and which we've enhanced, you can now take it and it will actually know to identify these two sentences as coming from the same family. Now, once we've built this, this model, we can now run it on every conversation and identify these models. So this is how you can identify pains. Let's say you have a new messaging that you want to ensure that is being delivered. How do you ensure that it's actually being delivered and how, you know, whether it's, it's, uh, uh, it's delivered in the right manner or not? You can use this, build a model around this and use it to identify these concepts within calls. So this is a technology that we've uh, refined and, and it's patent-based, you know, it's uh, patent-pending. And we're also, you know, we're trying it out these days with, uh, with a few customers and we hope to launch it by the end of the quarter. And it's very exciting because it changes the whole notion of, of understanding conversations and making sense of them in a very unique and concise manner. So if I understood that correctly, you have a sentence similarity model that essentially will help you group together similar structures of sentences. And you use this for pain. And then from there, you have a list of sentences that are similar to pain and you use that as labels to essentially extract the, or essentially feed the model with, with the features of the conversation. Correct. And, and some of the models that we're building are generic, which means that they apply to uh, all customers. And some are more unique and are, need to be defined by each customer on, on their own. So for example, you have an enablement team. There's always a sales enablement team that you want to make sure that as a sales enablement team, you train your salespeople, but then you want to see you know, whether they're actually delivering the messages that you taught them to deliver. How do you do that? 
So you train the system for a specific messaging concept, which is unique to your company, which sells barbecue grills. And then you train the system. And then once it's out there, you can now go through all of your conversations. This the, the model. We can have all the conversations go through this model. And then, you know, the ones that are using this concept or this messaging will pop up. And when we show it to you, we'll also show you the exact message that fits the, the model, the concept that uh, you, you've built. It's very cool and, and it's, very, it's very powerful. And you do this in real time while a salesperson's on a call or no? Like, does a salesperson get to see this is what I should be saying when he's on the call? It's an excellent question. So at the moment, you know, in real time, we have the ability to join the conversations for most of the web recording systems. We are thinking of adding real-time, we call it real-time guidance to conversations. It's a bit tricky. It's a bit tricky because think about it. Have you been in a situation, I know I have, where you're on the phone and your uh, significant under is trying to tell you what to say while you're on the phone? These things have led to divorces. You know, it's not, it's not a pleasant experience. So when you're actually proposing active or real-time guidance, it has to be done in, in a very you know, subtle and smart manner because you know, our experience shows that salespeople, they don't necessarily want you know, the system to always tell you exactly what needs to be done next or what you haven't done or, or have done. But we are seeing a trend that this is coming up from our customers, and it's definitely something that we're uh, contemplating how to, uh, to add into our uh, um, product offering over the next uh, year or so. I wanted to talk a little bit about the data pipeline. Could you take me through how a customer integrates Gong and then all of the data steps in between until they can receive those insights? It's very, very simple. That's something that we're very proud of. In a sense, there are some very few connections that you need to implement, and then you're off and running. We need to connect, essentially, we need to connect to your you know, email or provider. Um, usually, it's, it's, you know, there are two main email providers in the world. It's either G Suite, Suite or Office 365. You know, every, the connection itself could be done on a company level or a group level or a person-by-person level. It's all OAuth-based, very secure. And you know, we apply filtering that we only see the data that is relevant for us. We also make sure that the data that Gong actually sees is only relevant for active you know, accounts or opportunities. So everything is filtered. So we only see the data that is relevant for the insights that we want to provide you. That's one aspect of the connection. So once we have that, in a sense, we have your emails, we can ingest the emails, we have the calendar. And now when we're looking at the calendar, we can actually join the conversations that, again, we know that are taking place with uh, salespeople. So we see that David is having a conversation with, I don't know, a potential prospect, okay, Barnes and Nobles. We know that Barnes and Nobles are a prospect because we're also connecting to your CRM, and I'll talk about that in a second. And now we know that this is a sales call. It's not a call that is happening with someone internal. We ignore internal meetings. We can join the conversation, and that's it. We join the conversation either through native recording like we're doing with with Zoom or through we add a bot that joins the uh, the conversation itself. Um, this bot records the call, uploads it, uploads it to uh, to the Gong platform. End of story. From there, the magic happens. On the other end, we connect to your CRM. Um, so currently, we have uh, connections with uh, you know we have integrations with Salesforce, with HubSpot, with Dynamics, and we also have a generic API 
that uh, you know there are hundreds of CRMs that they connect and push data to us through this API. And again, once the connection is set up, and again, very secure, uh, limited by scopes and, and so on and so forth, we ingest or upload the relevant data and take also historical data so we can do some um, analysis of previous deals. We take this historical data and suddenly, you know, we have this, the opportunity, the account, the contact, the user information, and we can use that in order to make sense and to connect between the conversations and the context around the opportunities that they are connected to. Another aspect that, that sometimes happens is that if the your conversations are not taking place through a web recorder, but through a telephony system, for example, 8x8, uh, uh, 5.9s, and, and whatever, there again, there are tens of these. We currently are connected to around 60 of those. You can upload through our API and, and various other mechanisms calls to Gong. Now, the nice thing is that when you upload to Gong, especially if it's uh, uh, from telephony systems and emails, we allow you to upload up to a year of data, historical data. So you can upload immediately historical data you know, from, from the past year, both emails and, uh, and calls. We take the CRM data for that period. The system analyzes it. It might take some time because we're looking at hundreds or sometimes millions of data points, you know, conversations, emails. We make the connection. And then you know, from day one, you suddenly have historical data you know, for the past year. We make the connections. We tell you what has happened. Now, some of these deals may be already closed, but you can have the insights. You can have the analysis because you have all that information. in. And all of that has happened within, literally, if you have the right people that can make the connection, within five minutes, the connections are in place. You can start recording new calls. And within a, a few days, all the historical data will be in Gong and for you to, uh, to use and learn. With a lot of these other systems, they have to encounter issues with existing CRMs where for instance, Salesforce has these metered limits on how much data you can pull in at a given time. Is that not a factor for Gong or does Gong usually not require that data so it can go up and running a lot faster? No, no. So, so we need updated data. People update their opportunities, their accounts on Salesforce. They go to Gong they'd like to see it within a reasonable time. And this reasonable time usually is within minutes. So we need to keep on applying, you know, the or, or calling through the APIs to, uh, to Salesforce, HubSpot, and others to get the information. We have various, you know, mechanisms to ensure that we don't run into overusage issues. We also have, we can use the bulk API. Salesforce has a bulk API that you can then download the data through uh, um, CSVs. And then it's, much less calls, number of calls, and you take all the data, we process it, and then we upload it as a batch into, into our systems. You know, we work closely with, uh, with our customers to make sure that uh, we don't overuse their APIs quotas. And if there is an issue, we, we make the adjustments. I wanted to talk a little bit about training. This would definitely not be a very relevant question maybe two to three years ago, but today with the incredible cost of cloud computing, a lot of companies have decided to train in-house, to buy their own GPUs, buy their own servers, and train their models in-house. Is that something Gong has done? It's an excellent question. By the way, when you started asking about training, I thought you were asking about, you were going to ask about sales training, which it's an interesting topic, but I'll, I'll, if you want, I'll, I'll give you an answer about that later. So at the moment, we are doing everything on, on AWS. So, so we're running many on AWS with some presence on, on GCS. Now, 
the reason is that you know it is expensive but at the end of the day the hidden cost of maintaining servers and maintaining also aspects of security privacy if you're running it locally or in a data center and also handling you know failure issues with your machines and so on and so forth put us in a, in a position where we'd rather in a sense pay a bit more but have the knowledge that we have someone to back us up uh, when issues arise and um, if we need more assistance so we have contemplated actually over the last year you know whether we need to uh, to buy a local you know some some GPU machines and and uh, We had some conversations with Nvidia, but at the end of the day, we decided that uh, you know when we'd like to invest our our efforts and our attention on building new stuff, then maintaining hardware and saving might be thousands of dollars, but you know this time it's time well spent when we're actually doing you know focusing on training and letting AWS deal with the uh, the hardware and and all of that setup. Sometimes it is expensive. I'm glad you you brought up sales training. I actually did want to talk about that as well because that is one of the key things gong does. We talked a lot about revenue intelligence and call intelligence, but there's also a coaching aspect to gong that uses AI and leverages a lot of these business rules around sales to coach sales reps. Could you talk more about that? Yeah, sure. so so let's start with the basics. So you're a new salesperson, okay? If you're lucky, you came from a company that sold something similar. So you have an idea of how to sell this new product. Sometimes you come from a whole different sector. And now they give you this material, you know, you're stuck in your room, uh, you have this kind of uh, the user guide and some some presentations. And after you finish reading this, you get your quota. If you're lucky, then you know your quota is stole for the for the first two quarters. but then you need to start selling. How do you do that? So, You start fiddling around and you know you ho- hopefully you're joining a few people in their sales conversations and you're learning from you know from from others but still it's a very intimidating experience you know the first few quarters or even the first uh, year or so with gong this is all solved because and this is very simple you know it's, it's one of the most simplest uh, you know applications that we have you have a library where me as the sales enablement group within within a company I can pick the The conversations which are most typical or the best conversations so the best salespeople put them in a library and then when you as a new salesperson when do you when you do your onboarding we send you to this library you listen to 20 sales calls you even actually record your own sales conversation and you know you record your pitch your manager listens to it and bang within a couple of days you've listened to 20 sales calls you've learned them by heart you actually understand what you're doing and you can start selling So the whole notion of onboarding, the learning curve has flattened dramatically. Now, so this is for just for the onboarding. But coaching never ends. Now, the notion of ongoing training for me as a manager that has salespeople is something that we strongly believe in. And, and, and again, this is based on feedback from our customers. So you have a team. You want to be able to uh, listen in to their conversations. You want to be able to listen in exactly to a specific segment of the conversation. When they talk about, you know, let's say, You want to see how they present a specific slide. So we've added a capability for, you know, we call it slide analytics, where you can actually see the slides that are being presented and you can jump to a specific slide. You can also search for a specific slide based on its title. Now, me as a manager, I can go and listen to how you're actually presenting a specific slide. I can then give you feedback within the actual product, or you can ask for feedback. 
And then you get that feedback and you can improve. And I can also see how many feedbacks, you know, how many feedback, uh, you know, comments I've been given, I, I have given as a manager to my team over the last month because I want to stay in touch. I don't want to lose track of what how they were doing. It's also a notion of, you know, me as a manager, what I can actually give you in order to make your, uh, you know, it's not only about quota. It's also about making you a better salesperson. Now, one of the, the interesting things that we've seen, and, and, you know, this is feedback that we're also getting from customers is that, you know, how do you choose who to make a sales manager? Usually a sales manager is someone who was the best salesperson. It doesn't necessarily mean that they actually know how to manage. Now, with Gong, suddenly you have all of these tools that help you out. We help you give feedback. We help you actually point to the areas where feedback might be given. We also collect statistics about you know, how the conversation is actually going. For example, basic statistics. We know that uh, if you want to be successful, you shouldn't talk for more than 60% of the conversation because it means that then you're preaching and the, you're not actually listening to the prospect. We collect that data across all of the, uh, you know, each salesperson's conversations and we bring that data. So first of all, you as the salesperson can actually try to improve. And me as the frontline manager, as a sales manager, I can actually look at it and come back to you and tell you, you know, this is where more improvement is needed and so on and so forth. So the whole notion of ongoing training and coaching is completely evolving through Gong. And it's also based on actual data. It's based on reality. It's based on course. And the cool things is that thing is that, you know, what we're seeing is that people actually ask for, for coaching. And it's not only the salespeople, it could be the SEs, it could be other people that were involved in the conversation. They're, they're seeking some feedback. People want to get feedback, whether it's a, you know, a compliment or a way for them to improve. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I've seen that definitely many times that there's never a simple way to make sales more, more coachable until I think Gong has come out and really allowed for that granularity. I wanted to talk a little bit about your company culture and how you've scaled. What I found really interesting is that in March, you said there were only three QA testers at Gong and there was no dedicated infrastructure team. Why is that? So first of all, thank you for reading my, my blogs. You know, it's, uh, <laughs> of course. I appreciate it. So you're the one who actually read it. So thank you for that. Secondly, yes. So... so at Gong, we've developed these, uh, you know, operating principles. And one of the operating principles that we have is, uh, you know, hashtag challenge conventional wisdom. And which means that, you know, when we do things, we don't necessarily go, you know, the regular path. In the regular path, we try to see, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, it makes sense. And if it doesn't, we adapt it to our uh, culture. So what we've seen is that in, in previous companies that all of us has, have worked with in, um, there is the notion that there are the engineers and there are the QA people. And the engineers usually code, and then they throw their code over the wall to the QA people. It's usually in a so-so state. The QA people, the people are actually, you know, they're in charge of testing. They throw back the bugs that are found over to, uh, to the uh, uh, engineering people. Sometimes there's a lot of animosity because, you know, the quality of, uh, of the product being uh, being delivered is not very high, especially if you're pressured, especially if you're working in, in sprints. The responsibility is very clear. I code, you test. And this is screwed up. It doesn't make sense. 
Because in a sense, who's responsible for the quality? Is it the engineer or is it the QA person? And what we've done is that we've actually, you know, we what we mostly believe in is instilling trust and responsibility on each and every developer, each and every engineer. By the way, our QA people are amazing. They're focused mainly on, on automation, on deep integration testing. They're doing some great stuff, which, which we keep on doing. And this team will be, is growing. But at the same time, our engineers are, they are responsible. So they're in charge, uh, responsible of writing their unit tests and component testing. They're you know, in charge of making sure that their code actually works, looking at the various scenarios. And they're in charge of pushing, you know, once it goes through the automated uh, um, testing suite, they're in charge of pushing it, you know, to merging it to master and pushing it to production. Now, what happens is that suddenly, because they are responsible and because they are the owners, it's like, you know, it's like this child that you give them, you are responsible and suddenly they, you know, they, they understand this and, and they're, they're doing this in a, in a more kind of a responsible manner. This is exactly what happens. So the number of, of issues that we have is reduced. Actually, the feedback that we're getting from the salespeople is that the quality of the product that they're seeing at Gong is the best that they've ever had with other products that they've sold. And you know, people are responsible. People are actually happier, both on the QA side and also on the engineering side, because when you're responsible for something and you're actually the one that's pushing it to production, first of all, when you push, your hand trembles a bit. For all of us. For all of us, but you know that you're in charge. There's no one that's actually cleaning up after you. You are the man. You are the one that's pushing. Now, if you know if happens, and mind my French, and it always does because you know we're dealing with software. We almost never roll back. We always roll forward. Within you know half an hour, you fix the bug. You roll in. You push the fix into production, and you carry on. And again, people take it personally. By the way, you know I was just speaking to a uh, um, you know some of the product managers. Our Slack channels around bugs and issues, you know, the response rate there is amazingly high because people take pride in what they do. And, and if something goes wrong, they immediately respond, they take responsibility, and they fix it. And in a sense, in a culture where people are responsible, people are, you know, doing stuff and people are actually, you know, in charge of getting their stuff into production faster, people are happier. One last story, you know. When I joined, I, I spoke to one of the junior um, engineers in, in the team, and, and she told me, you know, she, she, she started the gong about a year beforehand, straight from university. And I asked her, you know, you speak to your, your friends that work in big companies uh, uh, without naming names. What's the major difference in, in your experience from, from what they're experiencing? And, and she told me, you know, at gong, within a couple of weeks, I was pushing stuff into production. I felt responsible. It was scary, but I was doing it. I was making mistakes. You know, people were holding my hand doing code reviews and stuff like that. But I was doing stuff. I made a difference within a couple of weeks coming out of uni. In other companies, it took them months, months and months. And when you have this kind of culture, first of all, you feel like you make a difference, even in smaller teams, even when the company grows. And that's the essence of the culture that we're trying to uh, retain and keep as we're growing. I don't know if you've read the Lean Startup, but that's actually one of the, one of the principles is have everybody push to production. But as far as infrastructure, why not have an infrastructure team? Excellent question. So first of all, at some point, we may or probably would have an infrastructure team. You know, I've been scarred with infrastructure team, and that's also in, in, in the blog. I've been in companies where at some point, the infrastructure teams grows 
team or teams grow beyond the focus on actually on understanding that an infrastructure is a means to an end. The pursuit for perfect and for the ideal kind of platform or infrastructure sometimes you know gets people confused. And then you have a notion of a an infrastructure team that actually feeds it on itself. So that's one ailment that I've seen. Another aspect is that you have this infrastructure team that suddenly, you know, you had a lot of teams that are coming up with requests for infrastructure changes, enhancements, or new stuff. And the backlog keeps on, you know, piling up and they're a team and they need to prioritize. And then your product teams, suddenly, you know, they're waiting for them. And product teams hate to wait. So what do they do? They go and develop stuff on their own. So what happens usually is that you have this infrastructure team, you know, and I'm taking it to the extreme, that builds stuff that they're thinking is great. Sometimes it's being used in the extreme cases, by the way, it's at some point, it's it's just uh, deprecated. And then you have the product teams who are also frustrated. And because they're frustrated, because they're not getting the service that they need, and they need to go and build stuff on their own. And another aspect, which is, to some extent, you know, I've in previous companies, I've had teams in, in the US, and, and I must say that this specific uh, issue is, is, is very much, uh, you know, prevalent in Israel. Infrastructure teams have the notion of being like the Navy SEALs of, of the development department. Everyone wants to be an infrastructure because that's where you do the cool stuff. That's where you actually understand how the inner stuff goes and you develop stuff in, in you know, cool technology. And then suddenly you have people wanting to be there and you know, it creates some sort of an, an imbalance within the team. So the approach that we've taken is that you know, we have people who are focused on infrastructure, but we're trying to do it more in a kind of a shift pace. And people actually do shifts working on infrastructure stuff. Again, we do have ownerships and and it's not, you know, and we will have more of that as time progresses. But just think about this. And and this is huge. I I actually understand how how huge it would be. Let's say you have someone who's working on on a feature, let's say a coaching feature. But then, you know, they get two weeks where they can change context and work on enhancing a wrapper for Elasticsearch. Now, it's amazing. Because suddenly they have this context switch. They're working with other people. They're working on infrastructure stuff. They know that they'll be coming back to working on their coaching applications. But this context switch and understanding stuff and broadening their horizons, it's just amazing. And people love it. And so far, the overhead in managing it is quite big. But the yield that we're getting is just amazing. What I really like about that is you allow your employees to almost see other aspects of the organization. It sounds like nobody's very siloed which is definitely an issue I've seen throughout many organizations. I want to just end here with a final question for you. If you listen to Elon Musk or Andrew Yang, you'll often hear this sentiment where all jobs will be automated away. I think they even have a timeline where you can go and pick and see you know, when your final day is going to be. Do you see that in sales? Do you subscribe to that? Do you believe AI will ever take over sales and automate that job? Completely not. And, and this is not something that, that we strive to do. No way in hell. But at the same time, you as a salesperson can become more efficient. And this is where we want to help you through Gong. First of all, you know, automate the mundane tasks that you have to do on a regular basis to make you more sharp, to make you more efficient, and to help you do your job much better. Because at the end of the day, selling is mostly about human interaction. And human interaction requires humans, but understanding everything, pointing out what needs to be done, 
helping out with the mundane tasks is where Gong wants to be. And in a sense, and, and this is what we're saying, we're not here to replace you. We're here to help you and your company meet your full potential. Oh, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you.